he wasn't real. Sounds emitted from her at last. Not screams, just sounds. Sounds of terror, like the nonsense chatter of an infant. She wanted to scream. Mommy, please. Mommy, I need you. It wasn't Jacob, and it wasn't Jacob's voice. And Jacob had been killed in a car accident six months ago. A drunk driver had nearly killed them all, veering over three lanes on I-10 late at night. Jacob had died at the hospital, in her arms. He had been buried at Lafayette Cemetery, dressed in his baseball uniform, which he had loved so dearly. She wasn't hearing her son's voice. Just his words. Mommy, it hurts. It hurts so badly. Help me, Mommy. Jacob's words, those he had spoken when she had held him at the hospital, just seconds before the internal bleeding had taken his sweet young life. This was not Jacob. No. She closed her eyes, unable to scream. She prayed that David would come home. Senator David Holloway. Her husband. Handsome. Even. Lucid. Rational. Wonderful. Ever there for her in their shared grief. David could hold her, and she would find strength. He was due home. Dusk had come. Dusk, and yet there had still been pink and yellow streaks remaining in the sky, casting light upon the dust motes that had danced in the room. Dust motes that became the image of a murdered child. He would go away. He wasn't real. He was the result of the local lore about the house. That was all. Mommy, please, I need you. Please, just hold my hand. She opened her eyes. He hadn't gone away. He was standing there, anguished eyes on her, reproach and confusion in them. The boy was wondering how she could ignore him, stare at him with such horror in her own expression. Mommy? You're not... not there, she whispered. Mommy, don't leave me. I'm scared. I'm so scared. Take my hand. Hold it, please. I'm so scared, he said. And then the little boy reached out. She recoiled inwardly, sheets of icy fear sweeping through her with the rage of a storm. And then she felt the little hand, that little hand reaching for hers. It was warm. It was vital. And it seemed so alive. The fingers squeezed hers. She squeezed back. I need you, Mommy, he said. She didn't scream. She managed words. It's all right, she said. Suddenly the twilight became infused with dust motes that sailed on pink and yellow ribbons of light, a palette fueled by the dying of the day. Soon the harsh neon lights of night would take over on Bourbon Street, and the rock bands would reign over the plaintive drumbeat of jazz. Soon David would come home, and she would hear some psychobabble about her imagining the ghost of a long-dead child to take the place of Jacob. No one could take her son's place. But suddenly she wasn't frightened. She needed to reassure a child. It's all right, she said again. It's going to be dark. See, outside, in the courtyard, it's going to be dark, the little boy said. 
There are lights everywhere, in the courtyard, on the gates, Regina said. I'll turn on the room light. I won't leave you in darkness. She sat up, still feeling the cling of that little hand. She walked to the French doors. It was spring, and the air was so fresh and beautiful, as if newly washed, and the scent of flowers was in the air. The inhabitants of the quarter loved to twine vines and set flowers out on their patios and balconies. For a moment, Regina inhaled deeply. Yes, she was desperate, in so much pain. They would say that she was seeking a companion to make up for Jacob, not replace him. That sounded insane. She would never make up a little child with an axe sticking out of his head. I love the courtyard, Mommy, he said, leading her. Yes, 